Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hashira Half Hour. It's the moment I've been waiting for all my life. Oh, I had to sing. That, that's the only <laughs> thing I could come up with. This episode has me crying in a corner, and I can't come up with any other way to introduce myself other than I'm Hannah, and I'm obsessed with Demon Slayer. You know, all things that we love about you and things that we can tell from you just off the start. We love to see it. It's your local Endeavor stand and your local um, Tanjiro secondary simp here when he gets 18 plus. Um, it's Brian. Uh, this episode, very interesting. I have a lot to say. I'm going to hold it for now, but I am very excited to talk about this episode. Let's hear it, Emily. Hi, guys. It's Emily. I couldn't be happier for Hannah this episode. <laughs> That's my intro. I'm just going to let her get started because she's got a lot to say. <laughs> I will throw out that like we've been rotating hosts and we did not plan this for Brian to host the Zenitsu episode and for me to host this episode, but it just worked out. So it's like the Demon Slayer gods have been speaking down good things upon us. <laughs> anyway. Um, but today we are reviewing a very special episode of season one. If you know, you know, it is Hinokami. Just a warning, this episode is going to be longer than 30 minutes. I know these last few episodes have been longer, but this one, um, yeah, it, it, this is going to take us a minute because I, I want to just like do this episode justice and I feel like we can't by trying to rush it into 30 minutes. So for those of you listening in, we appreciate you. We love you. Fasten your seatbelts because this one's going to be a longer one. Specific shout out to the person who has been weekly downloading in Germany. Yes. I see you. Thank you so much. We want to shout yes. you out. Thank you. That's wild to us. Like we. Germany. Cool. Thank you. Right. <laughs> um, Absolutely amazing. Um, I do kind of want to reintroduce focusing on a theme in this episode as well. And I think it's kind of obvious that we're going to focus a little bit on protection. That theme just is so prevalent in this episode. So I'm going to kind of bring that up quite a few times, but we do have a lot to get into. And I first just want to take a moment to give kudos to everyone involved in the show, the animators, the voice actors, the musicians. We talk about how amazing the show is pretty often, but this episode feels like a great time to just take a moment and just shout them out for all their hard work on this masterpiece of a show. I can't stress it enough. Like, it doesn't go unnoticed to everyone. Obviously, I mean, those who work on the show, you're Japanese. You're probably not listening in because you can't understand us. But arigato. Thank you so much for all the work that you do for us. Um, so before we get into our questions, like I said, this episode is going to be a little long. I just want to open up the conversation for the three of us to just talk about and praise this episode. So... Who wants to go first? I didn't even put names down. I was just like, this is going to be open conversation for like five minutes for us to praise this episode, which I have just done. So you guys take it away. You know, it's like they say, behind every great man is an even greater woman, right? That don't get the recognition, right? I feel like, you know, a lot of the people in the probably front of house, like productions, uh, you know, voice actors, animators, but like story writers may not get as much credit for when you watch something on TV. So, you know, thank you to... I'm so sorry that that is not a good pronunciation. Um, but thank you for, you know, giving us this impactful story. Um, 
but also, you know, behind every great fight scene in anime, right, is a greater arc. And thank you for building us to this point, because it's not just being at the highs of, you know, an anime fight, right? Like every anime fight, you know, needs that climb. And I feel like we definitely have had a solid climb. I was kind of thinking about this as we were approaching this episode, right? It would have been very interesting to have Tandro's fight first in this arc. Obviously, he's our protagonist, so we're saving the best for last. And then seeing kind of, you know, Zenitsu's fight first, it made sense because it was probably going to be the shortest. From what we've seen from his fighting style, he is very quick and nimble. And so that made sense to elevate us just a little bit. But then getting into this more tougher fight with Tanjiro Nonosuke and the father demon, right? That really brought us to a point where we were uncertain for our heroes. We didn't know what was coming next. We really couldn't really predict where we were going because we have Tundra then falling into the sister and Rui. And then you have Inosuke soloing Spider Father. And so now we're at this point where we really are feeling it out for our heroes because Tundra is still soloing on his own with Rui and he has been with everybody. He is the like final stander still in battle, been most tired. So he's really at a critical moment again. And it's just been a wild ride to get here. Mm-hmm. And now we're here. So we're going to still go up. That's the thing. Yeah. I just have to echo what everyone has already said. I have to, you know, thank, of course, like our writers, um, our illustrators, our animators. I know that we always hear that they spend like tireless hours. Who knows how much overtime working to bring this beautiful animation to the global audience that a show like this has. So thank you for that. Um, And know that we will continue to rally behind you and the voice actors who don't get paid enough to make some of this beautiful art. Um, Shout out Bayonetta 3. (laughs) Yeah. Shout out, but really, but it is like a prolific issue. And even, even our dub actors also like, controversial or not we love all of them too they do a really stellar job there are some things that i think are better suited to the dub acting as well and i know that they're not paid enough so Mm. um know that you deserve it and that we appreciate you and that this has made an impact on a lot of people's lives so thank you everyone and this is obviously a big big moment for our main characters and it came together because of the work of all of these people Mm. um to make it as impactful as it was so i'm excited to keep talking about it and I'm just grateful. Amazing. This episode is, it broke the internet for good reason, for sure. Um, all right. So let's dive in. We're going to pick up right where episode 18 left off. Uh, Tanjiro sword snapping into. We instantly get a feel for how intense this episode is going to be. Obviously, we we get to see the fallout and see that he just got sliced on the face. Luckily, you know, nothing too crazy happens yet. Um, but I don't know about you all. I was definitely nervous that this show was about to turn into Attack on Titan and was, I I was seriously nervous for Tanjiro's safety. I was like, is this like an anime thing where like main characters like die in the fifth episode like Eren did in Attack on Titan? Like this, that was going through my brain. Um, but how do you feel about Tanjiro's tight spot when he no longer has the protection of a full sword since it is now broken? It's interesting because, you know, I I feel like I've heard people say that, like, for swordsmen, the sword is just an extension of themselves kind of thing. Mm -hmm. 
So it was, it was a good cliffhanger. We talked about this in the last episode. I don't know that the first time that I watched this, that I was really so nervous that he was going to die, but I wasn't sure how things were going to turn out. Like, could he maybe get mutilated? Possibly. Um, you know, we, we watched the other guy, like I said, get chunked last episode <laughs> for stepping in. <laughs> and like, <laughs> it, w- it was not good. So, but, but Tanjiro is a very skilled fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, he has the keen sense of smell and he's been able to get out of tight spots before. So I think that I was rallying behind him a little bit, thinking that he could get out of this, but it was going to be more complicated without a sword because like, how else do you quickly behead a demon? <laughs> um, especially one that's this strong. Yeah. Um, you know, talk about tight spots, right? Like you have like a nub, you got like this much of a sword left. Like, what are you gonna do with that? Mm-hmm. So he's, you know, really proven his ability to, you know, ride the waves, if you will, with his water breathing and find a way to, you know, surf through these tougher fights. He's really been strong about <laughs> Listen, don't make fun of me for my (laughs) metaphors, okay? It worked out so beautifully. So, like, he's really found a way to maneuver, you know, these more difficult challenges that he, like, faces every time. Because, of course, right, protagonist has to go through these tougher trials in order to get somewhere. So, we've really kind of seen that. So, seeing him in this tight spot concerned me a lot. Because, you know, this is the most powerful demon we've seen yet, right? And so... I was kind of concerned he wasn't coming out of it, you know, in a good condition, possibly like ICU. So like, that's kind of where my thoughts were that he was about to get obliterated and maybe, you know, some other, you know, the Hashira that that are there, right? Shinobu and Giyu are going to come save him. That's kind of what I first thought was he was maybe making it out alive. Okay. So what I'm getting at is I am very dramatic and need to stop worrying about my main characters. (laughs) Got it. To be fair, Hannah, your first Japanese <clears throat> anime was Attack on Titan. So I think it's okay to be traumatized. <laughs> As someone who just finished that show, I agree. I was ne- like, Hannah and Emily told me how like to prep myself to not get too attached to anybody. And boy, did I not listen. <laughs> no one is safe. No one. <laughs> Literally no one. Um, Okay, but getting back to Demon Slayer. <laughs> um, let's talk about Giyu for a moment because we we see the very beginning of like the fallout of the cliffhanger. It's only lasts a few seconds before we go to the opening and then we go to Giyu with Inosuke. Um, oh my God, I love him so much. I just need to throw that out there. Um, his little re- interaction with Inosuke is so funny and sweet. I love how Inosuke is clearly feeling very much weaker than him which we haven't seen he's like okay this guy's strong he's stronger than me he can like accept that um but he still instantly challenges him like if i can take down this guy i'm definitely the strongest of them all but Giyu's having nothing about it he's like get out of battle you're injured um and Giyu protected him by tying him up in the split second and uh, it was hilarious i love that moment um, do you think this was Giyu's, like, funny way of showing protection? And what do you think that says about his dark, mysterious character? Does he maybe care a little bit more than he's letting on? Yeah, I think this kind of goes back to our initial encounter with Giyu, right? We see this definitely very, you know, closed-off character, um, 
who does something that may not align with their demeanor or from what you think. So I think it's a really interesting place for him to be because this also kind of talks about what you said last episode with the differences in the way the water is used between Tanjiro and Giyu, right? Giyu is a lot more silent and calm, but I still think that, you know, his uh, perception and overall quietness and aloofness isn't his not caring. It's more so he can't express that. And so his demeanor and his intentions are still good. I think it's just, he doesn't know how to say, it's okay, I'm here for you. Yeah. Um, we talked about like our moody, dark haired boys, and we love them. There, it, it is a little bit of a trope, I think, in a lot of animes that there's some kind of character that falls into this bracket a little bit. <laughs> um, Edenyega. <laughs> or Levi. Well, actually, <laughs> I, in, in Attack on Titan, I think it's Levi, in, in my right. opinion, in my opinion. But we've got, you know, but the point is, we've got obviously like possibly a couple contenders in a lot of different shows but this one is pretty straightforward for the most part like this is our boy um he is dark he is mysterious he's quiet he's serious kind of thing and so i do think that he cares he has to Mm -hmm. i i don't think that you can make it to a rank like that without caring so much about the greater mission that's going on and he is a hashira so he we know that he's a very skilled fighter and swordsman, um, but he does care. We know that he cares already because he's the one that recommended Tanjiro for training, and he really didn't need to do that, but he saw something in him that was unique. And similarly here, um, I think that he sees that Inosuke has like done his darndest so far, but this is like quite a demon for him to try to tame. And for Giyu, it might be easier, but Inosuke is still at the beginning of his swordsman like training arc. Um <laughs> Giyu is already a Hashira. And so it is funny that he has to like tie Inosuke up to get him to stop. But like that is kind of what it takes to get Inosuke to stop. Yeah. You have to like render him immobile because he won't. And even then he's still like kicking his legs, like trying to get out. Um so it is for his own good. It is a little bit goofy, but I do think it's for his own protection. And he even says, like, if you don't know how badly you're injured, then stay out of the fight. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. which sounds harsh, but I think it's so that he can step in and just take care of it very quickly. When Giyu does decide to talk, he is always dropping, like, harsh truth bombs left and right. Like, telling Tondro to stop begging when he just lost his entire family. But yeah. he had a point. Um. One little comedic moment. I loved it. Um, did you notice that Inosuke called Tanjiro by his actual name when he was passing off the blame to him? I love that moment because Inosuke is 100% protecting his ego at this moment. It's on brand. And maybe, what do you think? Does he actually know his name? He's just choosing to not say it right six out of the seven times as they've talked about in the past. It must be, because otherwise you'd get it wrong again, which would also be really funny and, like, a fun choice. But it must be, like, a disrespect kind of thing. <laughs> like, I'm better, I'm stronger. Like, yeah, 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 Kentaro, Kampachiro. <clears throat> like, but in the moment where he's going to get blamed, yeah, no, it's funny. I think it's funny. I think that he does know, and he chooses to uh, pick violence. So... <laughs> he a thousand percent chose violence right there, right? Like, <clears throat> it comes back to kind of Inosuke's, I think Inosuke's a lot more coy than we think he is, right? He's a lot more clever, and I think he 
is a little bit smarter than he lets on just because like he's selectively choosing when to use Tondro's name correctly. And that's kind of an interesting piece right there, right? Like it's, it, it is a disrespect thing and it really does echo what you guys said, but I think also, um, you know, Inosuke really doesn't do well without his ego. And so even, you know, looking at his long-term, that is just kind of his coping mechanism at this point. Like it's, saying what you want to realize aloud so that you hopefully get there at the sake of other people he's just not fully socially there yet but i think eventually he'll grow into someone who's more capable of not stepping on others while trying to buff yourself up uh i love it i i didn't even notice it like the first few times i watched it's like wait he just called him tondro but he's like saying it so that you knows that he's not the one who thought it was a 12 kizuki <laughs> oh man um we just got a brief moment with them but i loved it we also get a brief moment again with shinobu uh showing up and saving zenitsu my girl love her uh we are seeing both the hashiras that are at the scene protecting people with Gyu, protecting inosuke shinobu is now protecting zenitsu and everyone that's at that like certain situation um absolutely wild that she was able to create an antidote by just looking at the scene like she was just like here's an antidote it's like do you even know what's happening um so how do you feel about shinobu's abilities and how they differ from giyu the only other hashira that we know at this point this is a solid question i like this one because you know obviously we watched her float in as a butterfly right mm -hmm. so very clearly different from our elemental style of giyu um, you know, it definitely tells us maybe there's something more like bug-like, uh, you know, that's your first kind of thought there. We don't fully know for sure, but we understand that there is like a very clear difference as to how their abilities function, like mechanically as well as thematically. And I think it's interesting that they kind of get paired up that way because you see a lot of these like elemental fighters, if you will, with Tundra and water, and then you have Inosuke kind of in this elemental form, but then you have like a bug in lightning, like mm -hmm. what, like the pair there. So I think they also did well in pairing their, you know, odd counterparts together to save each other, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, you know, I, I'm going to echo what Brian said. We We've only seen like very elemental fighting styles so far or like something close to it because we've seen Giyu fight and now we're seeing Shinobu like step in a little bit and the only other Hashira that we're aware of at all I think at this point are the ones that are retired so like we know that like you know we have like Tanjiro Sensei and Zenitsu Sensei were both retired Hashira of their respective crafts mm -hmm. but it's it's skills that we've seen before in the boys that have already fought mm -hmm. um so Shinobu is the first thing that's a little bit different and her ability to recognize and be able to craft an antidote so quickly indicates to me that she has a familiarity with poison because I think that you need to know like both sides of that coin. And I also think that that makes sense, like poison or venom um, with like an insect kind of um, specialty that she has. Mm -hmm. um, I think that it makes sense. And we also see that she's like quite small. She's a woman. She is a Hashira. So that's pretty impactful in and of itself, being that the only other ones that we're aware of so far have all been men. Um, but against something like the 
father spider demon, she might also have a slight disadvantage just because of her size and like her frame. So her awareness of something like poison and like antidotes, um, I think gives her an edge. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they say that like poison is a woman's weapon. And think about that what you will. I do think that sometimes it's true because it's something that they have control over and the brains to be able to use. So... Period queen. Yes. <laughs> Snaps for that. Man. Okay. Look at us dropping truth bombs left and right. Um, definitely. I think, you know, we see the contrast between Gyu and Shinobu. Gyu is like still kind of that brute strength. Like, obviously, he's calm. We've talked about like Tanjiro almost feels more like brute strength than Gyu does if we're comparing water because like he just goes in, goes in while Gyu's more like water breathing, 10th form, oh, like very quiet, can't even, Inosuke is like, I can't even hear you and you're moving too fast. Um, but then Shinobu <laughs> is coming in and she's just like floating around and injecting antidotes and just like talking so kindly to Zenitsu when he's like about to die, like very different, but definitely some world building there to kind of show us just the different types of things we've really only seen the elemental type stuff and now we're seeing this person fly in looking like a butterfly like good stuff to come for sure um and then on a side note shout out to zenitsu for not giving up and slowing that poison shinobu was like good job he's already come so far so far he's our weak sweet boy <laughs> and we love him and i'm glad that he made it <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Zenitsu, um, you know, I honestly, he was the one I was so concerned about, right? Because, like, I had, like, after that fight scene, I, that's when I first got hooked. Mm -hmm. And then seeing him too close to death, I, like, right when I first started watching Demon Slayer, I had watched Akame Got Kill. If you've seen Akame Got Kill, you know what happened. So I was like, no! I thought he was gone, but it was really sad. But I'm glad that he found the strength. And that's kind of what inspires me to find the next thing to grab at is like, what can I do? What's my next step in like keeping myself afloat? Like even in like my mental tough times, these are the things that I kind of think about. So it's a very awesome moment for him. Definitely. Shout out to Zenitsu. What a great character. He gets far too much hate. Um. Uh, all right. All right. It's time to get into the meat. Tanjiro versus Rui. Let's do this. I I don't even know where to start, but I'm going to try and take it like timeline wise. Um, we move over to Tanjiro. He's definitely struggling. He's trying to think and he keeps saying like, you got to think, you got to think, you got to think, but he's not coming up with anything, which is very new because we've talked about his battle smarts in the past where he seems to be able to figure something out like on a dime and his sword is broken. His face is slashed. He's in the middle of the battle. He, he can't figure anything out. Um, are we getting the sense that Rui might be more than like he's ever handled and not just from a like physical strength aspect, but he can't figure out how to even find an opening to like get in his face. So how are we feeling about that? Yeah, um, you know, comparing, you know, this next level of villain, right, that Tundra is facing, we've only seen him against Kyogai, who we found out with was a retired, I guess not retired, I mean an ex. Fired. Uh, 12. <laughs> a fired, ooh, rip. 
he was a fired 12 Kazuki. So, you know, he was trying to regain that spot and he was using every last ounce of his strength to break the ranks again. Now, you know, Tanjiro has called out and Inosuke blamed Tanjiro for calling out that there was 12 Kazuki on the mountain. I think we found him. You know, this is where I think the audience at that point kind of realizes that, oh, this is maybe the big baddie that we've been looking for. And he's definitely maybe a little, okay, yeah, a lot of it in over his head. And he's very concerned at the moment. I definitely felt concerned at this moment for him and still do every time I watch it. Like, I'm like, oh, no, he's not going to make it. Like, Hannah and I were literally in the same room. Okay, wait, hold on. First off, backtracking. Hannah watched this episode three times before filming it and was like on the brink of tears each time. The first time we watched it, we watched it together and she was just like, oh, the entire time we were both just like, oh, so good. It was a great time. But honestly, this entire episode. Perfect. It really is fire. Um, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're getting there. We're getting there. Um, I do think that this is, you know, this is like one of the real, uh, still part of the lineup, part of the band, 12 Kazuki. So I do think that this is probably the most that Tanjiro has faced primarily alone so far but in some ways i think that he is going to put up a good challenge and that this might be more than rui's faced in a while too mm-hmm. um you know rui hasn't really had to do much of the fighting or get his hands dirty because he's been relying on this family that he's forged to do some of the dirty work for him so he hasn't really needed to do anything and obviously he must have some kind of raw power that is keeping that family in line um but I think that this is going to be a decently balanced fight, although obviously it's swaying a little bit in Rui's favor right now with Tanjiro's broken sword. Um, that's not going to do him any favors, so mm. we'll see. We'll get there. But I think I think he can take him. Yeah, I mean, Rui's been using his power more just against his family than he is against Slayers because... Tanjiro is like the first slayer for who knows how long to actually get to him because they've all been dying like with the mother demon or the father demon, you know, so definitely maybe he's a little rusty, who knows, but definitely can sense the power is by far the greatest that Tanjiro has had to face. And he is definitely getting a little nervous here. He's he's starting to get a little anxious, Um, but Nezuko. Nezuko, Nezuko, Nezuko. That's it. That's the tweet. Um, when she jumped out of the box and put herself in harm's way to save Tanjiro. Oh my god. <laughs> that was like the first of many chills moments for me. I, I, I find it hard. Like this is when we're getting into the episode of just like I find words hard because I just love this episode so much. It's so freaking good that it's hard to even like come up with things to talk about because you just want to say it's amazing um but i felt a mixture of excitement fear and i'm reading my notes oh my gosh they protected each other so well omg 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 i love them i think that's exactly what i said when i was watching it so i typed that down um how did you feel (laughs) it's always so sweet to see people that love each other like go to bat for each other and 
this is kind of nice because I feel like it tends to be that we see this a little bit more with romantic relationships. And this is not that. This is just like true sibling love and mm -hmm. devotion, I think. And they're all that they have left in the whole world. Um, and even that is like kind of like Nezuko's like one foot in both worlds right now. Mm -hmm. um, so she's probably like, you know, kind of dealing a little bit with her identity in that way. But Tanjiro's never looked at her differently for a second. He's had her back this entire time and she knows that. And so she's willing to go to bat for him too. Um, so yeah, very, very sweet sibling love. That was really cute. Um, when Hannah and I were watching this together and Nezuko popped out, I was like, out of the box. Out of the box. <laughs> and I mean, really, quite, she's like, ah, I'm here. I'm alive. <laughs> so she came out, like, really ready to quite literally, you know, get entangled up in this mess and really just take one for the team because she knew that without Tanjiro, I think really she's like Emily said, she's still one foot in both worlds, but she's starting to get more of her own autonomy back and really starting to be able to take more meaningful actions to try and flesh out her character. You know, she doesn't get as much as we would hope so far, but really um, this is kind of a defining moment for her again, because she's been able to kind of uh, maintain somewhat of awareness of where Tondro's at and know that this is the time to pop out. Like, I guess that's something that I wish we would get to see more of is, you know, being able to understand what Nezuko, you know, what brought her to jump at that moment, right? Like, how does she know? So I think it's really kind of telling in, uh, you know, not in a direct way that she's really paying attention to everything going on around her and that she is really using all of her senses to make sure that she is giving back as much as Tanjiro is giving to her, I think that's something in an angle that it's not looked at as much as that she's always giving and listening at least. Yeah. And for her to jump out, it actually wasn't like super last minute. I, I want to say a shout out to Netsuki, Netsuki Hane, Hane. I'm so sorry. I'm butchering his name and he's my favorite Japanese voice actor. Uh, he's a voice actor for Tanjiro. He, I was watching an interview with him and First of all, he's a total fanboy of this episode, and I love it. Like, he got deep into, like, conversations. Um, but if you listen very closely, right before she jumps out, like, about 45 seconds, you they have sound of her, like, moving around in the box. So, like, it's actually a slight sound that's, like, telling you she's thinking of getting out. Like, she's waking up. She's... She's and it's not like the box being shaken around that sound we hear a lot. It's like a slightly different sound that like signifies that she's moving and she's like ready to pounce when needed. And I love that they add that tiny, tiny, tiny little detail that I did not notice until someone else noticed it for me. <laughs> and then I watched this episode and I was like, I heard it. Um, so would have been nice to even get more thought process for her because clearly she was thinking through what she needed to do. It wasn't just a oh webs are coming jump out she was getting ready to jump in at any time really so interesting little tidbit there if you watch it again like i obviously will listen for that little sound it's there um as a tanjiro stan as we all know my love for him simply bubbled over with how much he wants to protect nezuko in this moment um he instantly is apologizing for her having to protect him. He feels bad. 
Um, I mean, this is obviously the most that we've seen her do as far as like putting herself on the line because she just jumped in front of these threads. Could it get shredded to pieces? Um, but we don't get to see Tanjiro get super angry very often. Like it happens for sure. But when it comes down to Nezuko and her safety, he will throw down even without a sword. <laughs> um, and he even was like, Nezuko has her own will. Like he was defending every aspect of her being in this moment. Um, we have grown to love Tanjiro's protection of Nezuko, Nezuko's protection of Tanjiro. And both of them protecting each other fit so seamlessly in this scene. Like, it literally was a team battle at this point. How do you feel they have grown since episode one, as far as, like, how their teamwork has grown? It's the best word I can come up with. You know, I think they've, at this point, really stepped into their, you know, respective roles, right? Where Tondro is kind of the more calm and calculated one, and, you know... Nezuko is more of the, like, brute strength, bungus, if you will, of just fighting. And so, really, I think they ba have grown to balance each other out a lot. Whereas in the beginning, you know, Nezuko was, you know, not super controllable and didn't have much of her own control. So, really, it was a lot more of a one-sided Tanjiro's, like, putting in work and, like, you stay inside, but she's grown to be able to be more competent on her own, which I think is really cool in that sense of showing, you know, when someone cares for someone else and really gives back like that, what it can lead to for that other person, because she was so far lost, right? In that very first episode, we saw how she was no longer her human self, but through this human conditioning, if you will, she's come back sort of mm -hmm. to this halfway point, which is really cool for her. Yeah. They have grown so much, um, but something that hasn't changed is Tanjiro's innate desire to protect her. Mm -hmm. Nezuko had to come around a little bit, um, being that she, you know, kind of like at the very beginning had those demon instincts that were kind of overtaking her. Um, but she was able to dispel those pretty quickly. You know, she was able, I think, to recognize in that first episode, like, oh, this is my brother. And even then, you know, she was standing in front of him trying to like, like to make distance between him and Giyu, who like at the time was perceived as a threat. Mm -hmm. um, so it hasn't, I don't know if it's changed a ton, but it's evolved and it's become stronger. Um, it's become more refined it's become a little bit more polished and we're still at the beginning of the story. So I think it's going to continue to become like even more and more and more refined um, the way that these two protect each other. But again, like this is their driving force. This is like, this is the point of the story. We need to see if Tanjiro is going to be successful in turning her back into a human. And to do that, they need to protect each other because Tanjiro is fighting with a human body to make sure that that happens. And Nezuko has this kind of impervious demon body that she's able to help protect him with. So they need each other to yeah. fulfill this mission that they have. They really are like, it, it's it's half and half of the main character. Tanjiro is not just the main character. It's Tanjiro and Nezuko because without her, he would have died way before this scene even happened. But And same with her. Like he's protected her so many times too. Like it's give and take. They They are two halves of the same coin. You know, 
And I think this episode does a really good job at showing that because you can easily say this episode is all about Tanjiro, but it really isn't. It's about their sibling bond. And I absolutely love that. Um, On a side note, I love how passionate Tanjiro gets during this scene. Like he is freaking shouting at Rui. He is so angry. And he's like, how dare you like try and take her from me? Whatever he said. And then Ruby's just like, I'm annoyed. Please use your inside voice. <laughs> <laughs> I I know it probably wasn't meant to be a true comedic moment, but it had me giggling. It was like a nice little breath of like, oh, he's annoyed. And he's just like, will you stop yelling, please? Um, we're really seeing how different Rui and Tanjiro are in these moments, right? Yeah. Um to be fair, Rui has done a good job of making Tanjiro pretty angry already because he's like the mastermind behind this whole operation, right? So <laughs> like, Inosuke's off fighting Spider Demon as far as Tanjiro knows. Zenitsu is like, who knows where Zenitsu is, <laughs> according to Tanjiro. No idea. Uh, Nezuko's now been like put in harm's way because there's a fight going on and this guy can't even respect his own siblings. So he's like watching that and that's making Tanjiro angry because he has this like very deep relationship with his own sibling that I think he can't even imagine people not being able to get along and forge such a deep bond mm -hmm. with their own siblings. Um, so they really are very different. I think Tanjiro is like insulted and Rui is, um, I don't think really registering Tanjiro as a threat to yeah. him at this point. He's like, he's like, your squawking is annoying. Like you, you small little human, like, let's just get this over with. So, um, for Tanjiro, this is like an end-all, be-all battle. For Rui, this is like a blip in another day, I think, so far. <laughs> yeah. Um, looking at Rui and his character overall, uh, he reminds me of a character from Naruto. Um, he reminds me of one of the villains. Or, well, one of a, um, a season... Uh, he was a villain. Uh, Gara. Um, you know, if you know about him, also very in the same position of Bond's unknown, um, you know, being a little bit more aloof and jaded. So, you know, seeing this character in this moment where he like kind of taking it in the opposite direction. Right. I don't think he understands the depth of that bond. And I think that's also something that he's not registering. Right. He doesn't think Tondra is a threat, but also he doesn't think his resolve leads him to be a threat. And I think mm -hmm. that's also a large misunderstanding from Rui, but also kind of a moment for those who didn't have a lot of family when the audience is watching to kind of relate to that because, you know, a lot of people don't understand like some of those family bonds because they haven't had them. And that's a representation of kind of that broken family again, or this manipulated and forged family with like strings and puppetry, right? So you do get to kind of see this penultimate you know, contrast between this very, like, solid and, you know, harmonious human being and this very dysfunctional, disjointed demon really clashing with each other. And the way that the fight is then animated forward really reflects this kind of back and forth dynamic of relationships. I like that you called out, like, the difference because Rui doesn't have that background of having a loving family. You know, it... It's a big contrast. Tanjiro comes from a very loving family and Nezuko being his only surviving family at this point means that all of that love is like poured into one person. And then Rui doesn't have like a good family background. He just has what these 
forged bonds are. So he just doesn't understand. And I think that's, you know, we're really starting to see that contrast because he just doesn't get it. He's like, why are you like, he, he's like, I'm giving you the option to live because he genuinely thinks that no matter what, Tandra is going to lose this battle. He clearly thinks that he's better than him and he's giving him options. He first was like, I'm going to, you know, torture you if you don't take it back. But if you do take what you said back about our bond being forged, I will just kill you right away. And now he's like, oh, give me your sister. And if you give me your sister without a fight, I'll let you go. And he thinks that's probably an easy pick. And Tanjiro's like, oh, hell no. So now he's confused. He's like, what? Um, so definitely a lot of contrast. Very, very different. So I like that you both called those out. Very, very nice things to call out. Um, Tandro's resolve has always been there, but it's grown a lot as well. He is never one to run from a battle, of course, and he's definitely not one to give up on Nezuko to save his own life. Like, that is definitely not him as a character. But I still felt it was such a powerful statement for him to just throw the box to the side and walk out and face Rui head on and be like, I'm not backing down. Broken sword and all. Did it give you chills like it gave me? This is a moment where he really gets to step up. I mean, mm. we just saw this big reveal that he's officially lower five. We we get to see it like in the eyeball. And so I think we see why Tanjiro is having such a hard time. And that's why um, this fight's been so difficult. He has no sword left. Um, but again, like I said, it's an extension of himself. That's what they say of the best swordsman. And so I think he's able to put up a good fight. Um and so, that, you know, he just, he has this resolve to charge forward and face it head on. Um, it, it does definitely give me chills, even if the odds are not tipping in his favor. Yeah, this scene, um, <clears throat> I definitely was on the edge of my seat here. I was very gripped. Uh, you can tell how much I am an into an anime by how far forward my, my face gets as I'm watching and how far my jaw drops. And so it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> Some really ugly faces as you're just like in a emotional turmoil, if you will, right? But you know, watching this battle kind of play out, he really did, you know, just say, you know what, this is my time to shine. And he wasn't afraid of the moment. And I think that's what's really separated Tanjiro. And a lot of times is that he understood that this may have been, you know, some of his last steps. But if they were last steps to protect Nezuko, they meant something. And I mm -hmm. think that's what's important to remember here is that, like, Tanjiro is not just <clears throat> doing it for his own survival. And I think the context, knowing that the fight is taking place and right, that this is kind of a stance between two different understandings of a bond, it really does, you know, move you, or at least I was very moved from that, uh, you know, interpretation of it. Mm. Definitely such a powerful moment of many powerful moments in the episode. Um, speaking of, I, Emily just touched on it, big reveal, Rui is lower five. Finally, we see it. He shows, you know, his eye, Tandro is like, saying all these things and Rui's like, are you sure about that? Cause I'm lower five. <laughs> um, everything makes sense all of a sudden. Like this is why Tondra is having a hard time with him. Did you see that reveal coming the first time? I know we kind of talked about maybe we're starting to see he's strong, but I for one didn't call it, but I'm slow. So this was tough, right? Um, you know, we haven't seen many more moves from Tondra, right? I think this kind of stems from like every anime character's arsenal, right? They're 
you know, are only so many levels up you can go. Unless you're Goku, then you have, like, some ability to go infinite every single time. But, right, like, anime characters only have so many different toolboxes at their disposal, right? His forms are questionable at best against these strings. His sword is broken. He himself has been through two different fights at this point. It doesn't look hopeless, and I was like, dang, he's about to get, like, clocked by Rui. I honestly, from this point forward, was, like, moved, like, emotional, like, ready to, like, yes, like, slay him, get the head, but I did not have faith in him at all. I'm so sorry. Like, I was just like, mm, you know, next five minutes I might be crying, but I'm ready for it. Like, I was mentally preparing myself the first time I watched this, because I knew that it was very possible he could have died but I really didn't want it to happen. So I tried to really keep myself in check of not underestimating him as well and seeing what else he could come up with in this moment. Yeah, I think it's hard to say what I was thinking the very first time. I think that I I thought that it was the father spider at first because he was just so huge and like so mysterious and we hadn't seen him whereas like Rui was shown to us like a lot earlier than this and so I figured that like all of them would end up being important but I don't think that I really understood the dynamic of this family the first time after the father was taken down and then we're immediately shown Rui I do think that I anticipated that this probably was gonna be our member of the 12 Kazuki so maybe not right away um but it makes sense. Mm-hmm. It makes sense for it to be him. So. Yeah. As soon as he revealed his eye, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Okay. Got it. Um, yeah. Cause things are looking bad. Like at this point, like Brian kind of touched on being on the edge of his seat. Like I'm on the edge of my seat on my 100th rewatch. Like seriously, just like, even though I know it's going to come, like what's, what's happening. I, I still am like, oh my gosh, how is he going to get out of this? Like Nezuko is strung up and bleeding. Tanjiro is like getting full on beat up like Rui is now like punching him I mean like kicking him like no longer even trying to do like the the webs like it is getting it, it's feeling pretty hopeless um I think Tanjiro is kind of losing a bit of control in this moment because he's getting so emotional and it's very telling of his character because he usually is very calm um stressed nervous but we have to think, is Giyu going to come in and save the day? Do you think, like, right now, should this be a good moment for Giyu to show up? Or do we? does Tandra have a little more in him? I don't know if it would be a good moment. Oh, sorry, Brian. I'm stepping over you. But I don't know if it would be a good moment for Giyu to step in. Because I'm worried he would get caught in the crossfire, I think, a bit more. Um this is like a very intense fight, so maybe it would be good. I'm sure Giyu probably would be, at least to Rui's mind, maybe a more formidable opponent than what Tanjiro currently is. Um, it's hard to say, because Tanjiro's kind of like on, on his last legs and like his last sword nub here. Um, but I I do just, I kind of think that Tanjiro can take him because he's driven by this resolve and this rage that we've only seen come out a select few times for him. He's usually a pretty calm individual. And 
I almost wonder if there might need to be this sense of rage to easily take down this particular demon, which Giyu does not have that mm-hmm. we've seen so far. Yeah. He, Like you said, the peaceful lake, like that's him. So like maybe it's hard to say because he's not here right now, but I almost wonder if like he was telling Inosuke, like you need to get out of the way right now if Giyu needs to be out of the way for this fight to be successful. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting, uh, you know, to try and put Giyu in here, I think would almost feel forced because I don't think Rui's shown Tondro his full wrath yet. And nor do I think, even if Giyu were to step in, I think Rui would want to prove a point first. I don't know, uh, you know, obviously uh, we don't know at this point what Giyu versus Rui would look like, but I don't think he would stand for having someone else come in because now he's pissed off, right? He's insulted his bond. He's continually challenged all of his beliefs. And I don't think at this point he's someone who's going to let that go. I think he's going to give every portion of his will that he has left. And I think it's a lot because he hasn't, he's barely broken a sweat at this point from what we've seen, right? He's carved up that first Mizunoda that showed up. He has clearly taken down Tondro's sword and Tondro is running out of gas here. So it's a very interesting point to be in the fight. I don't think that Gi would be going in there, but I do think that Tondro is going to find something to you know suit him right in this arc we've already seen that happen too you know in the fight with the the father spider he was able to very easily use that lateral water wheel and cut down a tree to buy inosuke some time Mm -hmm. i think that's what tundra is really good at is finding ways to shift his thinking so even in these tougher moments while you know the viewer is definitely stressed right and we are definitely not feeling it Tondro, on the other hand, as a character, right, is definitely going to find something here. We just don't know what it is. And it's definitely a great way to kind of almost foreshadow it a little bit, right? Because that happened at a very critical point in an earlier fight in the arc. And now we're seeing it again where they really need something to come their way. And, you know, hopefully he is our solution here. Definitely. And very proud of Tondro for like reminding himself to not get emotional because he definitely was and it wasn't working out for him. Um, That's when he was getting beat up was when he was just like going at it without thinking. And then he was like, okay, wait, think. Being emotional won't help. Um, And once he's able to calm down, he's able to unleash total concentration, 10th form, and actually make strikes against the strings for the first time. Like he's actually able to cut them even with his broken sword. Um, Powerful moment that I just felt like we need to talk about. I can't think of a question because my brain is in all this episode. So just talk about it. I mean, it really speaks to um, his ability to find focus, even when he's full of rage, right? Um, even even in like the most unlikely, unfortunate circumstances that he could be in in a fight, he's able to find focus. And even though it may not be like the final death blow that he's able to land right now, he's able to land a blow. And he does cut some of these strings. And I think that that's unexpected, maybe on both parties' ends. Because I think Tanjiro's a little bit pleasantly surprised. I think Rui's surprised by it also. He's like, ah. He's like, I'm going to need to take this a little bit more seriously. What a shame. Um, But it's a great moment. It's like, it's the underdog. Everybody loves an underdog story. Mm -hmm. It feels like it's finally flipping in Tanjiro's way a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this is just kind of, um, you know a demonstration of willpower to say the least right 
because he is essentially doing the same exact thing he did with when his sword was longer. And, you know, maybe it's that the sword is shorter now and it has more blunt force. I guess, actually, I mean, that might be it. Who knows, right? Physics, any physics majors listening? Mm, give us the answer. <laughs> but, right, like, at this point, he's like, this is all I've got left. And if this is all I have, you know, I'm going to, you know, stick it out until I can't any farther. So it's really an interesting moment for him as a character to try the exact same thing, but succeed this time, right? Uh, you know, difference might have just been uh, closeness to dying. And I think, you know, that motivation enough is sometimes all good for us, right? It, that's actually the perfect segue into my next point, because Blood Demon Art from Rui this time, like, he's actually doing blood art, which we haven't seen him do. This has just been his regular style of fighting. And now he's like, you think you think you got me? OK, now I'm going to go real hard on you. Tondro is about to die. He like he can't get out of it. He even says, I'm about to die. Um, and Tanjiro sees his life flash before his eyes. So if you remember Shinobu mentioning this earlier when she's talking to Zenitsu, she says that like they say when, when one is close to death, your life flashes before your eyes. You're searching for memories to find a way to survive, to get out of it. And then we see it happen to Tanjiro. So, like, really cool little callback from from earlier. Um, again, showing foreshadowing in this episode that, like, or in this show that, like, people try to say there isn't there. But <laughs> I digress. So what do you think of that callback and then just that moment in general? This is the tip of the iceberg of the episode. So I'm dying to get to the next part. But I felt it was important to call that out because Tanjiro's like, I'm going to die. This is it. And then he's searching for a way to survive. We're about to see that come to fruition. But just a, a great moment. I'm rambling. I'll let you go. No, you're good. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I think this is a really interesting time, too, because, you know, Tondro is on the brink of death, but not in the, you know, typical sense that we think of it, right? Like, he's still physically breathing. He is like, mm -hmm in that moment like physically well but he just sees these impending threads and so you know for him to be able to search through memories um and really try and figure out you know what's coming next for me like what's my next tool i can use um you know for zenitsu it was breathing and i think you know obviously a little ironic, right, that their breathing is what saved him there because, you know, breathing forms, lol. But in this sense, right, you know, he's searching for a tool that's going to help him right now. And I think he really is, you know, looking for anything that's going to keep him, you know, alive for a second longer for another thought. I think this is really his critical moment, again, where he needs to, you know, run up this hill and, um, you know, make that deal with God. Everything can benefit from a Kate Bush. So. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, it's just so cool. I don't know if I have anything like super deep to say about like this exact moment, but it's just it just feels like so rewarding to like get this this flashback and um to see him, like you said, like he searches those memories and he comes back to family once again. Mm -hmm. He's like the Fast and the Furious. Everything's about family. <laughs> um, but it's but like we get to see his dad, who we haven't seen a whole lot of. 
Um, we get to see him with his mom again, and we get to see this dance that gets used to like offer blessings to um you know like this god that they believe in essentially and like this ritual that they have and that in doing so in that dance and that particular breathing it's something that could keep you warm even in the coldest of winters and so whether or not that was rooted in like a deep sense of reality i'm not sure if he knew but he's like i don't have anything left to lose at this point i'm gonna call upon this memory and i'm gonna give it a try and we'll see what happens and this is the moment that sparks that flame that we've talked about. I've talked about Tanjiro being a child born of coal um, over and over. And it is very fitting um, when you light, strike the spark, it's going to ignite. And this is the moment for him. This is the first time. So it's I'm like, I'm getting chills just talking about it. Oh, my God. Um <laughs> Hinokami. Oh my god. The piano, the the singing, the song that we haven't heard before. This was introduced just for this moment. Here come the tears. Here come the tears. Oh my gosh. Um I really just want to allow us to have an open conversation about this final part of the fight because this is like this is the moment of the episode that is just like everyone talks about is 10 out of 10 probably like some of the best anime in history um i want to open up the conversation i want to call it two things the first is what tanjiro is saying he's had this flashback he he remembers hinokami um he remembers the dance which his dad taught him passed it down to him and he just thinks all right i gotta use this to to win and he changes his breathing to hinokami kagura it changes to fire the fire is lit it's here ah! okay but he says don't stop you got to protect nezuko and i need to slash his neck even if i get slashed in the process tandro is literally He's setting himself apart from a lot of main characters, in my opinion, that I've seen like in shonen anime, because he is fully selfless in this moment because everything that's on his mind is his, is his family. He just had a flashback of his dad, his mom, and his siblings, and now he's thinking about protecting Nezuko. That's all that's on his mind, and he's willing to die for this cause. So let's chat about that for a moment, because we need to. Well, I think we touched on it a little bit already, right? Like, they're all that they have left. Um, and family's always been important to him. It's what's kept him going in everything that he's ever done. So like we talked about Cole, he was the coal peddler for his family. He was going up and making that trek into the city from the mountains every single day to try to make what was probably a very meager amount of money based on their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. um, but he was doing it every day. And then he was still coming home as like the eldest sibling and like still taking care of things and, you know, trying to help out his mom, especially after his dad's passing. He kind of stepped up as like the man of the house um family's everything to him and similarly nezuko being like the oldest daughter i think probably had to step into kind of like a matriarchal role um in the household and was kind of like the second mom because there were like a dozen little kids running around all the time and she like had to step up in that way because tanjiro was gone so some of the more like household based things she had to take over and um, you know, they both stepped up and I think that they both knew that as the two eldest, they could lean on each other in that way. And that mm -hmm. hasn't changed necessarily, but, um, their, their priorities have just shifted. You know, the family's gone. This is all that they have left. And they were already very close being the two closest in age. Um, 
And so I, I think they're both willing to die for each other. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I don't know if this, I don't know that I would go as far as to say that I think that this sets Tanjiro apart from other well-known main characters, but I certainly think that it gives him a place at the table of the all-time greats, in my opinion. There's a certain sense of self-sacrifice that they're willing to go to um, for the things that they care about, whether that's mm-hmm. a cause or a person. And in this case, it's both. Yeah, um, you know, kind of surfing with Emily's idea here. Um, what we're, we, you know, when we're talking comparatively about other main characters, right, we also have to consider the resolve behind them. And, you know, the resolve that we have here with Tundro is coming based out of a protective mind state of, I need to, you know, hang on for Nezuko, right? Mm-hmm. When we look at you know, other characters, their overall main, you know, resolve here, like, in My Hero Academia, you have Deku, who wants to be the number one hero. Like, that is, um, you know, a selfish desire, and while it's not bad that he has that desire, a lot of his actions stem and his overall, like, big choices come from that, you know, decision that he wants. For Naruto, right, you have uh, a man who, or a child who wants to become the leader of his village one day and he has dreamed that from episode one and so you know again still something that is based out of self uh you know self-preservation or self-reputation if you will so you have now this character who is working as you know a demon slayer to try and figure out more information about demons for his sister and all of his actions have truly been stemmed from a bond within his family. So you're really getting to see someone who's making very large choices based not on his own, uh, you know, accord, but of the accord of others. And, and I think that's why that does really give him a seat at the table in this sense, because he has a different, uh, you know, context that drives him forward than these other characters. And while, you know, those other characters still have beautiful stories, right? They still have very impactful moments. And it's not that they are truly selfish. I just don't, it's their self-interest in those moments that separates them. I couldn't have said it better myself. Snaps for Brian. That's that's truly why, like, Tanjiro is, like, the highest rated main character for me. Because all of his motives are about his sister. None of them are selfish. He doesn't want to be a Hashira. Like it, he will if it means helping Nezuko, but it's like a part of that. So um, good call out there. All right. So the second moment I'm trying to, I know we've been recording this episode for a while. <laughs> um, the second moment is Nezuko speaking using blood demon art. The flashback, her mom begging her, like saying, your brother's going to get killed too. Like you're going to be the only one left. Essentially she wakes up. Blood demon art exploding blood, I think is the English translation. I this is where I really sob. We, we see Tanjiro fighting for Nezuko, and then we see Nezuko fighting for Tanjiro. Their teamwork works together so that Tanjiro is able to slash the neck of Rui. Um, so but but Nezuko really carries this fight more than people like to say, because without that blood. That's what burned the the string so that Tanjiro couldn't get slashed, essentially. He he survived that because of her. Um, again. So how do you feel that Nezuko's 
character is progressing in this moment because a lot of things just happened to her that was like, Wah! you know, I think, um, you know, I think this moment begs the question of, you know, did Nezuko also use her own form of Hinokami Kagura? I think that is a very serious question to be asked because, you know, originally Tanjiro was using water forms, right? And it wasn't until that moment that he used Hinokami did he switch to fire. Did he also, you know, ignite the second child of Cole? And what is Nezuko really, uh, you know, on par with Tanjiro, but she just needs a little bit more support because she still doesn't have a full human mind. Mm -hmm. And I think that was what's really cool about this scene is that you're seeing not just you know, the speaking portion of our duo, but you're seeing the, you know, quieter, more calm one, more or less, to finally also take on this other force of their father. So I think it's a really interesting way that this power is now being used by both of them and is based out of the same element, right, of passion, of, you know, um, chaos, impulse sometimes, but still in this very impactful and, um, you know, tender manner. This is the first time that we've seen her use a blood demon art. Um, up to now, we've seen her use brute strength, which I certainly think is accompanied by the transition, like into this demon form that she has this like half demon, half human um, kind of body that she's taken on. Um, and so it's interesting that she, I, I agree, I do think that she's igniting and she's the second child of Cole, Brian. Um, but it's interesting that she is relying on something that, you know, is is born from her demon side mm -hmm. as well to protect Tanjiro. Even though, again, like their end goal here is to like find her humanity fully. Again, this is like the point of the story. And in getting there she has to lean a little bit on this curse that she's been given call it a blessing maybe in this yeah. particular moment maybe it's the way that you use it is part of the message as well um but she's making the active choice either way to use it to protect her brother so is is that the difference is like how are you going to use this gift that's been given to you is this the difference between what makes you a human or a demon man i didn't even think about how they both just awaken their firepower <laughs> like at the same time Tanjiro awakens Hinokami Kagura Nezuko awakens her blood demon art which is also a firepower that that is just so so cool being that Cole family whoa my my last name used to be Cole so that was a weird thing to just say but <laughs> it, it was the not <laughs> the word Cole go ahead uh, okay. between the two of them they got a lot of firepower ah ayo ayo firepower wow. um okay one last one last little moment for us to just gush about the scene anything you want to add to this the, the music the animation the voice acting the the, the story whatever you want to say i'll open the floor to just a couple minutes of gushing about this final little battle here I think these have all been just very impactful moments one after the other. Like this has been an episode that was the steak, the potatoes, the appetizer, the entree, the soup and the salad, the breadsticks. 
all like, of it. <laughs> this episode gave everything. And, uh, you know, I think it's a very, very great, um, you know, overall just demonstration of art, if you will. It's just an amazing story, even out of context. Um, I watched some of this on my lunch break at my place of employment with some coworkers. Um, and even out of context and this person didn't care about spoilers. So they were like, whatever they were even moved by some of this, you know, uh, storytelling and such. So really it's a very powerful scene. And I think just even as a, you know, a piece of art, this episode just, I don't know. I think we've said so much already. I don't, I can't, further credited it's just so beautiful i have to completely agree i think that this had to have been the moment i think where this show blew up mm-hmm. because everything up to now is also ex- extremely enjoyable but this is like the culmination of everything so far this is like We've got the story, we've got the character development, and we've got all of the, like, production elements tying into it that, like, clearly, like, you could tell they saved some budget for this episode in particular. (laughs) Because, like, between the sound design, the animation that we could go on about forever, the voice acting, like, everything about this is a work of art, and it is... I think the best episode of season one. (laughs) Um, Just, like... whether or not you agree with the story structurally i don't think anyone can argue that this Mm -hmm. is the strongest offering um and man it just like it really brings everything full circle so i think we're at the peak you know we're at the the top of our hill here um Mm -hmm. and these bonds are either broken or fully reaffirmed between tanjiro and nezuko fully reaffirmed and if anything they're working better together now than they have for the remainder of the season Mm -hmm. and I think that there's a delicious sense of irony in one of Tanjiro's last lines as he says something to the effect of the bond between Nezuko and me can't be severed by anyone as he severs Rui's neck (laughs) beautiful (laughs) beautiful so (sighs) it's just it's just peak storytelling i really can't compliment it enough absolutely i everything about that scene i just like i get teary i just thinking about it like i'm thinking about like the music and just like the suspense leading up to it and then the teamwork and how like seamlessly they work together to save each other's lives and just how protective Tanjiro is of Nezuko, how he just keeps saying, like, our bond cannot be severed as he severs his head. That That's exactly what happened, that he's willing to die for her. Like, he's he's like, you've got to protect her. you got to keep running. Your bones hurt. Your body hurts. Like, run, run, run. Use this new power that you're, you've just awakened inside of you when you're about to die. Like, just everything in this moment was just so beautifully done, so well-written, um and when they switch to Hinokami Kagura like water breathing has been such a beautiful animation so far but this is the first time we see any fire like breathing and <clears throat> holy shit <laughs> it is like you said it's like they saved some budget like it just took a step up it was just like everything about this episode everything about this moment was just there you can't do it better than that and this is why demon slayer is so popular is really this moment in this episode so i hope we did this episode justice in this uh review because 
there i could spend another hour talking about it honestly because it's just such a good episode we could dive more into details but i know we're way 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 over time so let's let's go ahead and move into our favorite moments from the episode which is really hard to pinpoint in this one but um i will go first and i'm not going to speak on the final moment since we just gushed about it for a long period of time obviously that's my favorite moment of the episode however i i want to say when Nezuko protects Tanjiro the first time, when she steps in front of those webs, I just loved the interaction between the two of them. Like, he is so, like, surprised. He's, like, shaking. His eyes are shaking. He's apologizing. And he's, like, cradling her as Rui is, like, talking to him and saying, like, give her to me. And I will always talk about their sibling bond. I just found that moment so beautiful because he was just so, like, like hold like protecting her to the point of being like this like don't like let go and that sort of thing and i just i cried a little too hard they are so sweet they're like such good brother and sister i've never really had a brother i i have a stepbrother i've been like detached from him for like the majority of my life it was not a close relationship that i've had i've never had like a true brotherly sibling relationship and this almost makes me wish that i did so that i could understand what that feels like um but i will have to live vicariously through tanjiro and nezuko i think <laughs> um beautiful moment i man the last moment i i think that it might be like across the board that this is everybody's favorite because it's so well earned throughout the whole episode but I'm just going to call out like the quality of the animation in that moment. I think the the richness of like the color and like the sound design um just so well done. I you know I I don't really know what else there is to even really say that we haven't mm -hmm. talked about so far, but the the use of like the purples and the reds and the fire is for me when I think of Demon Slayer the imagery that stands out in my mind when it first mm -hmm is brought up so yeah. clearly one of the most iconic moments of the show so far yeah <clears throat> for me i think um i don't know why this moment sticks out to me the most um i think really the moment is um when you see kind of the blood starts to take fire form and it's like full-blown pink fire. I think that really is like the culmination of all of Nesco's rage. And I think that's, uh, you know, why it's my favorite moment is because it is the like focused blast of all of her. Like, I feel like maybe, you know, I'm speaking too far into what I think Nezuko believes, but I think that she understands to a certain extent that this has been a one-sided, you know, relationship for a pretty long time in which Tanjiro has taken a lot of care for her at this point, and she finally wants to step in at these critical moments. So I think this is her way of saying, like, I'm here too, and I'm just as much as a help, or I'm going to try to be. And so I think it really under, uh, you know, I think it really, to a certain extent might get underscored in the episode because Tondoro's scene is just beautiful but I still think it's a very important moment that helps to support him in getting to that final step and slash definitely oh man so many good things I I need to stop myself before I I go on more tangents so that is all the time we have for today we're gonna pause there 
What an amazing episode. I'm so glad we got to it. I hope you all enjoyed listening in to us just gush about this episode for, I think this is like an hour and a half, but um, <laughs> it was an amazing episode. It deserves all the love. Thank you so much for listening in. Um, if you haven't already, please like, subscribe, download the podcast. You can follow us on TikTok and Instagram at the Hashira Half Hour. Um, don't forget to comment. If you leave us a comment, we might answer it in a future podcast. So keep that in mind. Otherwise, Hino Kamikagura. We are out. Umai. 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 <laughs>